So Second uh, Chronicles 15, Father, we're thankful for all that you want to do in our lives as we study through your word. And Lord, tonight, would you just speak to us, Lord, through these really your historical records of your people. Lord, we know you're just as the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you can speak to our hearts, Lord, through your word today. And so, Lord, use the pictures here, Lord, to impact our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we left off with King Asa doing what is right. Remember, he's starting to clean up things uh, in Judah, the idolatry and everything. In this chapter, in Second Chronicles chapter 15, paralyze, uh, paralyzes, parallels First Kings chapter 15 only for a couple of verses, but for the most part, this is all new information here in Second Chronicles chapter 15. Here's what it says. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. If you've read ahead, you know this man is a prophet of the Lord God. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. And, and you know, you have to realize that God works this way in our, our lives today. We pick up our Bibles and God says, Hear me. And so th this man is coming out. He's, he's directed by God. And his words to him are, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord, and so he's speaking for the Lord Yahweh here, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you read ahead, this is almost like a wake-up call for King Asa here. Hey, I, I, the Lord is with you while you are with him. It's like, okay, thank you for that, Mr. Prophet, but he, he kind of takes it to heart for the most part of his, of his, his kingship. And I think the prophet comes and says, hey, Asa, the victories you're walking in is because, well, you're with the Lord. It's really what he's saying. So Obed, Obed says to King Asa, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. It's almost like the Lord is starting to, well, he already knows what he's thinking, but he's trying to help Asa know what maybe he's thinking. We saw back in First Chronicles chapter 28, when David was speaking to Solomon about the building of the temple, these words, the Lord God will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And that's true. God was ever present with him. But Solomon, once it was completed, certainly forsook the Lord and walked away after it was built. The Lord God told Joshua as he was getting ready to lead the Israelites, I will not leave you nor forsake you. And you go, yeah, I think I've seen similar of that in the New Testament. Yeah, it's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, speaking of God, for he himself has said, I will never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And certainly that's true in the New Testament setting. But in the Old Testament, if you were not walking where you should, the Lord just pulled back. And I guess to some degree that would happen today. And so he says to them, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. 
For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. Verse 4. But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel, and they sought him. And he was found by them. And in, the, in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you, King Asa, you be strong. So he's, the prophets kind of give him a little like, hey, you know, this is, how it's kind of, this is kind of our, our history here. But you, King Asa, be strong and do not let your hands be weak. In other words, you got to finish well. Because if you've read ahead, you know he doesn't. If you remember from 1 Kings, there's something going on in his life. So be strong. Do not let your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage. Okay, so I want you to remember this right here, okay? The prophet comes to him, speaks truth to him. I add the words, he likes these words. And it says he took courage and removed the abom abominable um, snowmen from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. So he's cleaning up the trash. But, it, but maybe he was waffling. He'd probably done all he was going to do. But all of a sudden this prophet comes, speaks truth. He's encouraged. And certainly, I don't know about you, but when I'm with other believers, I am way more bold than when I'm out there by myself. So he's cleaning up the trash and he restored the altar of the Lord. That was before the vestibule of the Lord. As, you know, kind of national revival is underway here. Verse 9. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. And no, notice why. For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw the Lord his God was with him. Now, can, I hope we can see what's happening here. Can you see this? It says, when they saw that the Lord was with this man, they made a move towards God. It's almost like the people wanted to walk with the Lord. There was just no one kind of showing them the way. I believe that's how it is today. People want to walk with the Lord, but there's no one showing them the way. But when one imperfect man set his heart to seek the Lord, when he was outspoken in words and deeds, people are coming now desiring to have what Asa has, which is the Lord God of Israel. And that will really pre preach in our days, team. So I believe there's millions of people who want to know the truth. They do. But they have no idea where to go. They have no idea who to follow after. And I think that's why the job of the church is easier today than ever if we'll open our mouths and do the work of an evangelist. You know, I, I've met a girl that's, she, well, she says she's Christian, but she's foreign Catholic in, the, in, in, in Kuwait. And she has Kuwaiti friends that speak English. And as soon as I get caught up, I'm going to go stalk those friends. Then I'm going to defriend her so it can't be traced back to her. And I'm going to preach the gospel of these people in Kuwait by social media. 
I mean, we have the social media platform. It, it'll take us. It'll take us into the classrooms, into the schoolrooms. It'll take us all across the planet. And I think people are open. They just want to hear the truth. Sometimes they're not real open in the beginning. I was told to F off on August 23rd, and she received Jesus Christ as her Lord on the 28th. I mean, only Jesus can do that. But see, you and I, we have to throw the seed into the field. Now, I understand we all have old fields, but old fields are just that, old. I, I think God wants to, to throw some new seed on some new fields. Jesus is going to talk about that on Sunday, you know, the do not judge, lest you be judged chapter. And it's like, well, what exactly does it mean? We're going to talk about that. But he says, don't throw what is holy to the pigs. Don't throw that which is godly, God's word, to people, or don't throw it to the dogs. They're just going to tear you to pieces. Find some new fields. We'll talk about it on Sunday. Verse 10, so they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month. Why? Because one man has sought to seek the Lord. Just one. In the 15th year, the reign of Asa, he, he reigns 41 years. So he's a little over a third of the way at the 15-year marker here. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Remember, they, they took on the million people, Ethiopians, uh, God destroyed them all. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was put to death. Please take notice of that. So, so this wasn't like just some vague promise. No, they, it's it, everything they have. We're, we're making this covenant with God. And all of them did, whether small or great. Please take notice of that. Whether man or woman, they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. So, you know, there's a lot, there's an outward profession here. If you choose not to seek the Lord, death, might want to remember that as we travel through this. And all of Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And that caught the attention of the Lord God. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. And so the Lord God had spoken that to them many times. If they would humble themselves and turn back to him, that God would hear from heaven and respond to their servants. And here he does this in a really a huge way. I mean, look what it says here at the end of verse 15. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Why? From response to their drawing near to God. Verse 16, more spring cleaning. Also, he removed Maaka, the mother of of Asa, the king. Who's the king right now? Asa. Oh, he's kicking his mom out of the out of the thing here. He, he removed his mother, Asa, the king, or the mother of Asa, the king, from being queen mother. He gave his mom the boot from interfering with his spiritual life. Could you do that? Too, I think too many people in the church today need, need to do this. <clears throat> There's too much unsaved family directing people's lives, yet Jesus makes the directions very clear on multiple occasions of how you and I as Christians are to, are to live our lives. I mean, here's just one of many ways. We'll see him as we travel through Matthew. But this is a true event in Jesus' life. You know, he's, he's teaching, 
And a man in the crowd cries out, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. All he wants to do is go back home and say goodbye to the unsaved family. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I pray for my family. I want to see them get saved, but their actions don't represent how I'm going to live my life. Their actions only testify where their eternal destiny is. But it doesn't affect me. It certainly can't control me. Here's why Asa did what he did to his ungodly mother. Because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asherah is the goddess of sex. And Asa cut down her obscene image and crushed it and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. As the chronicle writer always seems to write the best out of the people. Verse 18. He also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils. And there was no war until the fifth year of the reign of Asa. Now, if you're a Bible student and you know he's going to reign 41 years, and then all of a sudden you're reading this, that man, that he was loyal all of his days at the end of chapter 17. And then you're reading here, and there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. If you're a Bible student, you got to go, huh? How's that possible? He's loyal, but then there's wars at the 35-year marker? I mean, something's got to be going on. See it there at the end of verse 15? And the Lord gave them rest all around. But then we see this thing right here. There was no war until year 35. See, as you read that, you would think, wow, Asa's reign was smooth sailing till the day he died. The Lord gave them rest all around. I mean, that's what you would think. But then when we read here, and there is no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa, you got to do the math. It's like, okay, how many years was he going to reign? 41. When did the wars come? Year 35. Did the math, simple public math equation, 41 minus 35 equals? Ooh, you guys are sharp tonight. So why was, the, why was there war? If they've made this incredible commitment to God, why was there war in the last six years of his reign? I mean, that, that should be like our, that's like an observation. Now let's interpret what the heck's going on here. Remember, if you did not keep it, whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great. Remember, we just read that. The people had made this incredible promise with, with all their heart, with all their soul to walk with the Lord. So they are serious. Well, let's keep going and let's see if we can find out. Chapter 16. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, he has six years to go, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come to Asa, king of Judah. Remember, Judah is where Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is where the, their, uh, the temple is. The whole point of Jeroboam building all this stuff up north was so people wouldn't, the golden cows was so people wouldn't come down and worship in Jerusalem and go, hey, it's actually, well, this is what we should be doing and stay. Well, Baasha is now the son 
or the grandson. And he's come down seeking to stop people from going in and coming out. And as Asa sees this, I would hope this would read, then Asa sought the Lord God Almighty. I mean, that would be the right thing to read here, right? I mean, think with me, please, just for a minute. All of a sudden, someone's coming against you. You can't go in or go out anymore. I mean, is that not the easy, is, that, is this not the easiest thing to do? Then Asa sought the Lord God Almighty. Wouldn't that be the easiest thing to do? It's not going to cost him anything. It is going to cost him his pride. It's going to, it's going to cause you loss of control. If you're a control freak to seek the Lord a little bit, it's going to cost you some of that. To seek the Lord, you have to give up control of your life. Or maybe is Asa taking this attack on him personally? How dare the king of the north come down and sit here and set up a siege work around me? I'm going to show him. I, I don't know what's going on. But something like that's going on. You come down here, Bosh, oh, buddy boy, I'll show you what I'm going to do. But somehow he's allowed his heart to become hard towards the Lord God. He's lost sight of the million Ethiopians that had just been defeated. So whatever reason why, whenever Asa or you and I don't seek the Lord, it is going to cost us something. If we seek him, it will only cost us my pride and my control. But if we don't seek him, I will guarantee you it will always cost us something. See, our Jesus has already paid it all in advance and blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So it's not going to cost us anything because he's already paid it all. But when we jump ship and we use our ways or our methods instead of his ways that are already paid, it's always going to cost me something. It's always going to cost you something. And it is most definitely going to cost King Asa Something, not to mention our ways are a lot harder than Jesus' ways. Amen? Amen? They are. Jesus' ways are come unto him and take my yoke, Jesus speaking, my yoke upon yourself and learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus, that's his offer. But if you pass on that, it's going to be strenuous, frustrating, and costly to Asa. So as we move into verse 2, we're now running parallel with 1 Kings chapter 15. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them, I have these words, to the pagan king, Benadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father as Asa seeks to make a deal with a pagan king. Here, I've sent you silver and gold as Asa sends God's treasures to a pagan king. Come, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me, and then you can torment his cities, and then he'll come back and get away from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa, but not for King Asa's sake, but for the Lord's treasures' sake. And he sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. So King Baasha, the northern uh, king of Israel, is down invading the south. But now 
all of a sudden Syria is attacking the cities up north. So you hey, you got to leave the south and you got to go up and defend what's up in the north. And so they, here's the cities they attacked: Dijon, Dan, Abel. So Dan is the far farthest, most extreme northern city in Israel. Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Baasha heard that that he stopped building Rama and ceased his work. So please notice the plan of man with a pagan king actually worked. Wow! Double thumbs up. I'm sure King Asa is very proud of himself that his plan has worked. Verse 6, Then King Asa took all of Judah, and they carried away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which Baasha had used for building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. Now, leaving the parallel with 1 Kings chapter 15, we only find this information in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7. And at that time, Hanani the seer, so he's a prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because, and watch for this word, it starts with an R, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. He's just telling them the truth. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubium not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you, there's that word again, relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Always easy trusting in Jesus. See, when you and I trust in Jesus, we have no responsibility. We don't have to figure it out. All we have to do is follow his lead and, starts with a no, has a Y at the end, and obey. Verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. You're going, hey, I know that passage. Yeah, now you know where it's at. It's right here. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. See, the Lord is searching everywhere, continually, constantly, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, not perfect. That would exclude all of us, including the man after God's own heart. But those who are committed to the Lord and the Lord's ways and the Lord's plans and the Lord's commissions. And so the, the, the seer says, in this you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have what? Oh, you're supposed to say, that's why he had wars the final six years of his reign. Yeah, that sure is why. Because he rested in, trusted in the arm of flesh, rather than resting in and trusting in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And you can only do one of the, one of the, one of the you can't do them both at the same time. You can only do one. You can rest, trust, take up the yoke upon Jesus. His ways are easy and light. Or you can take it upon yourself. But listen, it will always cost you something. Always. Always, always, always. In the beginning of his reign, Asa was that loyal servant to the Lord. But as time went on, and this honestly, these, these looks of these people getting old, they bother me. Because I'm getting old. -er. <laughs> but as time went on, he decided to take matters into his own hands. But 
please notice it does not stop here as we get an answer to a question I posed to us all the way back in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 23. I want you to go back there and take a peek. 1 Kings 15, 23. I asked this question. Look back there at it. As we were finishing up 1 Kings, I said, oh, wonder how that happened. I didn't give you the answer. I don't know if anyone was looking for it. 1 Kings 15, 23. Just go backwards. Chronicles, Kings. Look what it says there. Speaking of King Asa. But in the time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. I don't know if you remember that, but I asked you, why did God not heal him? Why? Okay, we'll go back where we are. Verse 10 gives us the answer. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him. For what? Speaking the truth. For he was enraged at him because of this. Because of what? For speaking the truth. Because God's man was speaking the truth to, to God's king, it was, how dare you speak truth to me? I'm the king. And rather than receiving the truth, remember he received it the previous time? But now he's rejecting the truth. And this just proves pride is at the root of his plan when he trusted in the pagan Syria in the first place rather than trusting in the Lord. And Asa pouted. That's what you should write in there. And Asa pouted and oppressed some of the people at that time. I'll guarantee you, he didn't oppress the pagan people or the Syrians. He oppressed God's people. So one question. Does God see his behavior of a child here? Verse 11 gives us that answer. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Yeah, we just looked at him right at the very end. We saw the last thing. And all he had to do here was hear the words of the prophet, repent, seek the Lord, but he did not. That's all he had to do. See, that's what makes David the man after God's own heart. When, when David is confronted with his sin, he doesn't push back or fight against it. He, he, he owns it. He doesn't blame others. No, he owns it but not King Asa here. So in the 39th year of his reign, so years 39, 40, and 41, a little under three years to go. Look what it says. Asa become, became diseased in his foot. Oh, just like we saw in 1 Kings. Now we know why. So you should write a footnote so that way when you read through your Bible, you go, oh, I know why this is there. Asa became diseased in his foot and his malady was severe yet. Man, that yet, you that yet, you should write H-H, uh, hardened heart. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord. Could you imagine? God spoke to you. God has given you victory. You, you've defeated a million-member army with massive amounts of chariots. And yet in his final days of his life, God's trying to get his attention. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but physicians. Man, can someone say hard heart? I, I can't even imagine getting like this. Can you? You start out so well, but in the end, when your feet are all jacked up, 
You sought the doctors. And notice, it doesn't say they fixed him. He sought the doctors and not the Lord. Man, that's like sad, 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 multiplied times a bazillion. But you know, there's a lot of people in the church today that aren't finishing real well. Actually, they aren't actually, well, they're still, yeah, the church isn't the building. They're just out doing their thing. Verse 13. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared in a mixture of ointments. And they made a very great burning for him. Why? Well, because he was a great king. He had brought about national reform. But please notice our Lord also takes notice on how we finish, just not how we got started. Chapter 17. All of this is new information. There's some great stuff in here. I want you to notice how much the Lord God blesses this man for walking with him. It's going to be a repeat. We will get to the downfall We'll just kind of peek at it. But I just, this man's going to walk with God. God's going to bless him like crazy. Verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in Asa's place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. He set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, has taken, had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. And here's why. Because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. Now listen, we see this all over the place. So if you don't know what those former ways of his father, David, are, then you should go read David's life because that's what God blesses. That's what God honors. God's into that stuff. David doesn't take vengeance. He got close. David always owns his sin. David never goes and serves other idols. Here he is. He walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. The acts of Israel are doing what? Ooh. They're up there worshiping and, you know, and, and all that worship and all that stuff and those pagan things revolve around sex. So, you know, I don't know how crazy it was up there. I'm sure it was crazy. Therefore, oh, what do we do when we see that even in the Old Testament? So looking back, because Jumpin' Jehoshaphat had walked in the commandments of God and not according to the idol worshiping Israel, therefore the Lord established. Please don't miss this. The Lord is building. The Lord is the one who establishes. And the Lord has established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. He didn't ask for it. Please notice that. He's not taxing the people. There's something about him. And all people gave presents to Jehoshaphat. He had riches and honor and abundance. The Lord God's doing all that. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Theasa, his dad, lost this in the last six years of his reign. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. You know, they, uh, the, Asa and those before him had removed the, the pagan high places. 
But now Jehoshaphat goes and removes the high places that were offering incense to the Lord God Almighty. So he got rid of all of that. He cleaned it all up. Took out all the trash. But he was not only cleaning up the bad. Oh no, he's going to instill some good. I think for reform to be real and life-changing, you have to preach the truth. It, it, it can't be any other way. Look what he does here. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders. So these are his princes, his, his governmental leaders. Ben-Hale, his name means son of strength. Obadiah, his name means servant of Jehovah. Zechariah, his name means Jehovah remembers. Nathaniel, given of God, and Micaiah, who is like God, he sent him to teach in the cities of Judah. So not just any ordinary man, but godly men who loved the Lord. So not only was he cleaning up the trash, but now he's sending godly men out to the cities to preach, to teach. Now, if you want the community to change, you have to send godly people out into the community to teach people's God's word. And if that doesn't happen, you get what we have today. This is why we have what we have today. It isn't the government. Whenever you engage in that conversation, you are wasting your time and dishonoring God. It's the, it is the church. You see, there's not a shortage of churches in America. One count, 300,000 churches. Another count, 480,000 churches. So yeah, but Calvary Chapel was on the list. So I don't know how many churches there are. But that's an average of 8,000 churches per state. You know, obviously there ain't no 8,000 in Vermont. Okay, so throw 16 or 24,000 in Texas or California. But we're missing it. So I don't really know how, how big that number is because, you know, Calvary Chapel is missing. I'm sure there's other non-denominationals. But think about this. Starbucks, on the other hand, has 14,000, 300,000 stores, and they've somehow been affected enough to reach the entire United States. That's, that's only 280 locations per state versus 8,000 per state. McDonald's has 13,905 locations, if you care. <laughs> They've saturated the market. So what's the problem here? The church is the problem. God's not the problem. See, not complicated are Jehoshaphat's ways here. These were the final words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, that's the believer's responsibility to teach others. That's the only way. I don't think we can expect the churches to get it all together today, but the believers that are in those churches, they've got to go outside and they've got to teach others. That's what Jumpin' Jehoshaphat's doing here. He's got some faithful men who are going out into all the cities of Judah and are teaching the people's God's word also known as God's ways of living. So rather than religion or entertainment or opinions, and there's plenty of that, or false nonsense, the non-believer wants truth, not hype, not a dog and pony show. They don't want lies. They don't want man-made stuff. 
They want truth. Verse 8, and with them, these five princes who are teaching the people the word of God, Jehoshaphat sent Levites. And you can read all their names yourself, I'm sure. I can pronounce Adoniah. Ooh, yes, you're very frequent, uh, fluent in Hebrew. Yeah. And Tobiah. But also right at the very end there, see the long dash? The Levites, that's who they are. And with them, Elishama and Jeroboam, the priests. So a couple of the tribe of Aaron are going with them. So you have five princes teaching, nine Levites <laughs> instructing, two godly priests. I hope you can see they're putting forth a full court press here to win the hearts and minds and souls of the people. Why was the hippie movement quickly moved into the Jesus movement? Because those people were infecting people with the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. They were. It didn't matter where they went. It didn't matter if you called yourself a Christian and you hated those hippies. You could not disagree with what they were saying. You could just disagree with what they looked like. Verse 9. So they taught in Judah, which would be all the cities of Judah. That's the bottom two tribes. And had the book of the law of the Lord with them. Please underline that. They're not giving out opinions. They're not just saying, hey, let me tell you what it says. No, they had the law of the Lord with them. I read an article addressed to pastors last week addressing the digital Bible versus the paper Bible. It was very interesting. They looked at it from how the brain functions how it processes information versus paper or look at, looking at a few lines at a time on a screen. They looked at it how on, a, on the paper you can see the whole context, but on a phone you can only see a couple things. There's four categories in all, all scientific. None of the categories were texting or distractions or ads that pop up on your, none of that stuff. It was just purely science. Hands down, the digital Bible on your phone or tablet devices loses to the paper Bible, paper Bible in every single category. It does. I mean, we can all bear witness to that. Remember when you became a brand new believer, you read something and someone goes, hey, oh, I, I can answer that. I know it's right here. And you keep spinning. You, oh, sure enough, top left page. I knew right where it was at. You can't. Oh, yeah, let me go. I, I know it's in here somewhere. That is not happening. Not happening. Not happening. I looked online. You will be hard-pressed to find an article supporting the digital Bible, though I did find a seeker-friendly church, and of course they said, oh, we just want to give the people what they want. And that's the problem today. See, a great part of the church is asking unsaved people in their neighborhoods, hey, what is it that you want in a church? And then they make the church suit the people. But they're not asking believers. So the teachers are out in force with the law of God. It's with them. It's tangible. They can see it. That's all they had, the first five books of Moses. The Levites are out helping explain maybe much of what they do, the sacrifice and that whole sacrificial system. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. That's amazing. Now, please don't gasp here, and please don't read this wrong. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people. Oh, yeah, but that's not what it says. That's what you'd think, right? You know, they're, they're out there teaching all the city, people in the cities of Judah, and, you know, and, and everyone's getting the truth straight up. 
And then the fear of the Lord fell upon the people. Oh, yeah, that's what we think. That's not what I read. It says the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. You might underline that. That were around Judah. And notice what happens. So they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. That is remarkable. See, the fear of the Lord did not fall in Israel. No, they were learning. They're becoming a part of God's team. They were seeking God first in his kingdom and his righteousness, just like we saw on Sunday morning. And then God added to this other stuff. Well, protection from all the enemies. As they were doing their part, God added the fear of the Lord falling on the enemies of Israel as they watched this whole revival taking place. They have never witnessed anything like this before. And as I was working this down, it's like, could something like this happen in America? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The word of God is being taught by all churches, like all of them. And all of a sudden, the countries around us would take notice, and the fear of the Lord God would settle on their pagan ways and their pagan hearts. You know, the make-believe atheists would be out of the way, even though there's really not that many of them. Verse 11. The fruit of Jehoshaphat's revival. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. Notice, there is no asking for that. Okay? You have pagans taking the king of Judah presents. And the Arabians, the Arabs, those that have Abraham's blood in them, brought in flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Again, he's not asking for this. this. This is real fear team where your enemies are bringing you precious commodities because they are afraid of you and they are trying to like say, look, we're on your side. We're not against you. Here, please. We're not. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. Now, he has to be careful now. And realize that all of this is the Lord God's doing. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war. Mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. These are their numbers according to their father's houses. Do you remember how many number was in the military army last week? How much? Uh, 85 is right. 585. Started with 400,000 versus 800,000. They ended up with 585,000. Get your calculators out. I already did the math twice, so I know I'm right. <laughs> These are their numbers, because they don't add it. Usually they add up at the very end. I'm, so I can, I'm just going, okay, it's like, okay, they're giving me a total. Nope, they didn't, they didn't do that. So these are the numbers, according to their father's houses, of, Ju of Judah only, the captains of the thousands, Adna, the captain with him, 300,000 mighty men of valor, next to him, Jehonah, Jeho the captain, and with him, 280,000, and next to him, Amasai, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord, and with him, 200,000 mighty men of valor, Benjamin, Eliah, a mighty man of valor, with him, 200,000 men armed with the bow and the shield, and next to him, that guy, and with him, 180,000 prepared for valor. These served the king besides those that the king put in the fortified cities throughout all of it, Judah. 1,160,000 men. This is not Israel. This is just Judah. And last week, 580,000. So we've doubled. Well, almost. 
Well, 80, yeah, we've doubled. Amazing, isn't it? See, God's blessing Jehoshaphat. I mean, why was America so great when it was started? Because they weren't, not because everybody was a believer, but because God's way of living was at the cornerstone of everything we did. Why is America still the greatest planet or great, greatest country around the planet? Because we still do some of that. We do. More so than others. And God is blessing Jehoshaphat like crazy. I need you to remember that. God is blessing Jehoshaphat like crazy. You need to remember, remember that. The enemies are bringing them treasures because of this revival going on throughout Judah as they teach the people the word of God. I need you to remember that. The Lord God is doing this as Jehoshaphat walks in the Lord's ways. I need you to remember that. I need you to remember all of this till next week. And here's why. Look at the first word, first words in the next chapter. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself with who? Oh, the most wicked king of Israel. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Why in the world would he do that? Well, it'll get worse next week if you're still here with, with the words of the prophet speaking these words. I hope we're not here. I hope we're in heaven. But if we're here, the prophet's going to come to Ahab or come to Jehoshaphat, and this is what he's going to say. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you, Jehoshaphat. And why? Because Jehoshaphat hooks up and hangs out in the enemy camp. Just like we can. We can hang out in the enemy camp. Starts great. Does incredible things like only David had done. But for some reason, he decides to deviate from God's way. Father, we want to see, we want to learn. Lord, we ask that somehow in some miraculous way you could do this in our own country, that the churches would return to teaching the word of God. Lord, that there would be an awakening as the word of God would go forth, that the church, each believer, would, would grab their Bible.